0: Listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, July the 6th, in the year of our Lord 2022. Or, yeah, 2022. I keep forgetting what year we're in. And we're taking a look at Proverbs chapter 9. This is the poem about wisdom. Chapters 1 to 7 of Proverbs talked about Solomon dealing with his sons, beginning with chapter eight, wisdom, who is none other than Jesus Christ himself, now begins to speak to us. And he has some things to say about the reality of where we live. What does that mean? It means that not only does he give us moral teachings, but he also gives us insights into how to understand the reality around us. And we're going to be taking a look at chapter 9 of Proverbs, verses 7 through 12. This is a poem about wisdom. It begins with verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Have you ever tried to correct a scoffer? When you take a look at the word scoffer in the original Hebrew, it's really talking about one who mocks God. He is an unbeliever. And when you correct an unbeliever, you are inviting to yourself insults and abuse. Now, I've been a pastor for many a year the lutheran church missouri synod and if you've been listening to my program for 25 years you have heard again and again people well inviting insults against me because of what i believe there are those who don't believe in infant baptism and call me well i'm doing the work of the devil in teaching people about the importance of infant baptism that's inviting abuse to yourself, and insults, because when you speak the word of God, you're talking about wisdom from God, which an unbeliever never can understand. Yeah, there are passages in the Bible that until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, all of this doesn't make any sense at all. It's not reasonable, it's not logical, Uh, Christianity is really quite ridiculous. I mean, we believe as Christians that a carpenter's son, born of a virgin, died on a cross, and your sins are forgiven. Does that make any sense to you at all? No, And, and yet we believe it because the Holy Spirit has placed within us faith. And that's part of the gift of receiving the Holy Spirit. But when you have this faith, you will say things, therefore, that sound totally ridiculous to an unbeliever. Now, how do you get an unbeliever to believe what you believe? You can't convince them through reason. You can't convince them through logic. You simply use God's word. A good example of that, who could think of anyone worse than Saul on the way to Damascus going to arrest Christians, put them in jail, and have them put to death? And yet, when he had that Damascus road experience, he fell off his horse and he was blinded. And Jesus says, you are persecuting me, faith came to the Apostle Paul because he heard the words of Jesus and the Holy Spirit gave him that faith. And in fact, he was declared to be apostle to the Gentiles, a murderer, apostle to the Gentiles. It's not that the other disciples were that good no, remember that one time that Jesus went to a Samaritan village and they did not want to welcome him because he was on his way to Jerusalem and the Samaritans did not like the Jerusalem faith. Well, two of the disciples said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and destroy them? And Jesus reprimanded the disciples for having those murderous intentions. So wisdom thinks quite differently than does normal human beings. We, we find that distinction in Romans chapter 7, where Paul talks about his old Adam was sinful, and the new man that came about when he received the gift of the Holy Spirit helped him to realize what proper abuse is is that he was receiving, not from Christians, but from unbelievers. So, every time you correct a scoffer, and the word correct there really means to discipline a scoffer, you will get abuse. Any parent realizes that that has occurred in the raising of children. I remember when I wasn't able to do the things I wanted to do, and I disobeyed my parents. Sometimes I would get punished for it, and boy, I didn't like that at all. Now, I never spoke out against my dad or my mom, never swore at them or anything like that, but I sure didn't like them at that point. And therefore, I was giving them insults and abuse. In fact, the last part of verse 7 also substantiates that. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Now, we're seeing that that is really happening in the world today. Not quite so much physical injury in the United States, but overseas Christians are being put to death because of their confession of Jesus Christ uh, against Allah and against other religions. Some people so hate Christians that they invite injury against a Christian. He who reproves a wicked man. Reproves means to warn a wicked man of their sin. In fact, a good example of that was John the Baptizer. He was welcomed by a lot of people as he preached a repentance of sins because they recognized that they were sinners, and John the Baptizer was preparing people for the coming of Jesus Christ, who was coming to take away their sin by dying on the cross. So, why do you need a savior? Because you realize you cannot get rid of your own sin. You can't pay for it. Good works never trump sins. And yet, what happened to John the baptizer? Well, Herod had a immoral marriage. And John the baptizer spoke out against what the head of that area was married with. And he was put in jail. And of course, Herod's wife tricked Herod by having her daughter ask for the head of John the baptizer. So there's an example where John the baptizer incurred injury, invited abuse, had his head removed because he was reproving King Herod. That happens even yet today. And it's happening more and more even in the United States where churches are being put to the test windows are being broken, Uh, people are coming into worship services and disrupting them because part of the problem we have in the world today is where people do not want our point of view being shared. And what do we mean that point of view not being shared? It means that they are not permitting us to speak. Go to college campuses and confessional conservative people are not permitted to speak on the campuses because of what we have to say. Well, that is terrible to an unbeliever and therefore we get abuse. Verse eight continues with a double theme. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Now, the word reprove there means to warn. So, we warn unbelievers of the lifestyles that they are living that are contrary to God's holy word. Guess what? He will hate you because of our Selfish egos, we do not like to hear where we are in error. And how many times when we are in error do we blame someone else? We're just like Adam and Eve. Who did Adam blame? Well, that woman you gave to me, she encouraged me to eat, and I ate of the forbidden fruit. And who did Eve blame? That serpent that you allowed to be in the garden. He beguiled me, and I fell into sin. That's part of the problem of an unbeliever. It is really difficult to take credit for our sins. And yet that's what repentance is. Repentance is saying to God, I'm responsible for my sin. You are not. There may have been situations you allowed me to get into where I was tempted and I was not strong enough and fell into the temptation. It's of some interest, and i mentioned this a number of times, that when Eve was tempted, she had three reasons why she enjoyed the fruit. It was good to look at, it was tasty, and it made her wise. Interestingly enough, the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness from Satan paralleled those three reasons. And yet Jesus used the word of God from Deuteronomy to counter the temptations of Satan. So there's no doubt that when Jesus was correcting Satan, Satan hated him, hated him to such a degree that the crucifixion was on his mind. The second part of verse 8 is also part of wisdom. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Now, did you hear that? This is Jesus speaking. When we reprove or warn a wise man, he will love you. Now, what does that mean? Well, parents do that with children, and as children grow older, they begin to appreciate the wisdom of their parents, especially if the advice given to them is a correction of what they find to be evil. And also, they do not receive the negative consequences that they should be receiving when they do evil. That's why a wise man who is a believer will love you. Uh, How many times have you been in a situation And you're not sure what kind of decision you should make about anything. And you talk to a friend who is able to give you wise advice. And you really appreciate it because you follow their advice and you find that they get positive consequences from following their advice. See, that's the difference between being a scoffer, and unbeliever, and being a believer, because yes, you will incur injury when you reprove an unbeliever, but when you reprove a wise man, he will love you, because he recognizes you're giving him the wisdom of God himself. So verse 9, why will he love you? Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Now, the word instruction there can also be understood as advice to a Christian, and he will become still wiser. How many times have you wanted to do something, and you hear the advice not to do it, because of the negative consequences, but you go ahead and do it anyway. Then you recognize that the wisdom you have been given should have been followed, and you may listen to it next time, because you have become a wise man. In other words, when you give instruction to a wise man, he will still be coming even more wiser. A good example of that is prior to becoming a member of a congregation for communion, we encourage both young people and adults to go through what's called adult instruction. Now, what is adult instruction? It's kind of going through the catechism of Martin Luther, the commandments, the creed, and so forth. And you will be wiser there's no doubt that people come to understand the lord's supper in such a way that they don't think it as a ridiculous notion that in receiving the body and blood or that's what they're receiving through the bread and the wine it doesn't make sense but that's what they believe therefore the last part of verse nine is correct Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. You get to understand God's wisdom even more. And that is becoming a problem when in some churches, four out of the five teenagers who are confirmed end up leaving the church a few years later and no longer attending because they don't agree with what the church is teaching. Now, there are some congregations they should be leaving because they are hearing false doctrine. But in those congregations where the word of God is taught in its purity, they should not be leaving. They should be taught what a righteous man needs to hear and he will increase in learning. Verse 10 has a phrase that is only found once in the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. Normally, you hear the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Why is it the beginning of wisdom? Well, first of all, the word Lord in the ESV translation, each letter is capitalized, and that's a way of you realizing that that's the way the translators want you to know that they're really translating the word Yahweh, the name of God that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom. Well, think about it. Do not children fear parents? Well, yes, they do. What do they fear parents over? Well, they can be punished for not doing what they are commanded to do. And so there's a fear there. That's why children often hide the sins they do. They become like Adam and Eve, and they go and hide in some bushes as though God is not everywhere. So this fear of the Lord, this recognition that God is present and that he really knows the true motivations of our heart in ways that we cannot hide from him, that becomes the beginning of Wisdom, which is God's grace coming to us. And the more that we hear of wisdom, and that is Jesus Christ, the knowledge of the Holy One brings insight. That's the end of verse 10. I really like that phraseology because I believe insight is becoming aware of of exactly what Jesus has to say to us about the reality of our life. That is called insight. So you may think that, well, if I'm a student and all my friends are smoking or marijuana or drinking, that that's okay to do because they're doing it. But the knowledge of parents, the instruction of parents, the fear of parents can be the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of what they have to say brings insight into our life. And we therefore will refrain from doing drugs or other kinds of behavior, which we have learned will bring negative consequences. Now, verse 11 is one of the positive consequences of following wisdom. Jesus says, for by me, your days will be multiplied. This is an attachment of a promise that through Jesus Christ, your days will become numerous. And what's Refer to is the last part of verse 11. For years will be added to your life. Now, that doesn't mean that someone who dies early is not a believer. No, their days can be numerous in the sense that they were filled with joy and happiness and comfort because they have increased in learning from Jesus Christ wisdom. But there is no doubt that at times God increases the years of a person's life beyond what they normally should be living because of their faith in Jesus Christ and the work that God is doing through them. So that's kind of a promise that by Jesus, your days will become numerous and years will be added to your life. That's a positive promise to those who follow wisdom. That's why it's really important to read the book of Proverbs because God gives insight Information, instruction as to what is proper knowledge in regard to living your life. So, verse 12: if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. What does that mean? It means that it is to your advantage to follow God's wisdom and that wisdom you use for yourself, following the advice of God in doing many things, like attending church regularly, because it is through worship that we hear of God's wisdom. So it is to your advantage that you are wise. But then the end of verse 12 says, If you scoff, and there's that word scoff that we find in verse 7 and 8. A scoffer is an unbeliever, one who mocks God. Then it says, you alone will bear it. The consequences will be placed upon you. You cannot blame God if you are a scoffer. Because you have refused to listen to the wisdom of Jesus Christ because you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And therefore, the consequences of your scoffing of Jesus Christ will be negative. And that's what happens in a scoffer's life. Now, what we've looked at is a poem about wisdom and how important it is to follow wisdom's advice. Proverbs talks about kind of two individuals. The one is wisdom, but the other is folly. And next week, we'll be taking a look at the opposite of wisdom and we will be talking about the imitation banquet that folly tells you you are invited to and gives you insights to help you understand that I'm Tom Baker join with us tomorrow when we'll be talking about another subject distinguishing law and gospel. Until then, God bless you.